And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Raptors Reasonableist Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. Joining me, as always, Eric Green. Eric, what's up, man? I have more breaking entry news this week. On yourself uh, or on the Raptors? Uh, well, neither, actually. Uh, Walter? Walter. Oh, no. Walter. Um, has been even less energetic than usual recently. And we discovered the reason was because we'd been putting boots on him for salt avoidance for his precious little paws. But then the boot was rubbing up against one of his, uh, like, you know, sort of upper paw area and creating a little cut. Uh, And now we have to carry him outside in order to go on walks. And we're not putting on the boots because... We don't want that, uh, you know, that dry area to get worse and continue to bother him. Eric, I I hate to break this to you, but yeah. this is a scam. Walter is <laughs> Walter has played you guys. Is he played just, it? Yeah, just to be <laughs> able to get carried outside for walks. <laughs> uh, not impossible. I'm okay, Blake. How's it going? I'm all right. It's uh, you know, it's it's huh. <laughs> that game that the game on Sunday was really bad and really frustrating uh and the vibes are back to being bad um this is the Raptors Resource podcast here at the Athletic A reminder if you don't subscribe to the written side you can head to the athletic.com/we the 6 and get a discount uh on that side of things there um where you will see Eric writing about uh the Minnesota Timberwolves game and how it's just not very it doesn't feel very Raptorsy right now man Sure doesn't. Uh, Like, that game, forget that it was awful and they had no business winning. Like, it did seem like a the Raptors are going to win this game that they have no business winning type game, which they really haven't had a lot of this year and had a plethora of in past years, or certainly, like, a lot of we're going to turn it on in this one quarter and, and... take it away from here and they had their chances and a layup literally did a 180 if not a 360 around the rim uh before spilling out and possibly forcing overtime or at least tying the game for the time being uh yeah i mean the raptors find a way in a lot of those games in the past years and they are very much not finding ways right now, and uh, having the 19th-ranked defense has something to do with that. Yes, it sure does. We're going to get into some of the specifics of where the Raptors are at right now, uh, coming off of back-to-back uh, losses once again. Just a reminder, of course, that Eric Kareem did not pick the games correctly this week, uh, but although you got three of them right. You had them at 3-1 with win-win-loss-win. 
I thought we only did three games. I think it was, I think I said win, loss, win. Because we recorded on Tuesday, so we only had the Wednesday, Thursday, uh, Thursday sad, Sunday game. And here I am trying to give you credit for an extra W. No, uh, I don't want that. Okay. Um, yeah, no, one and two instead of two and one. I did get the win right and the loss. So I really called two of the three games correctly. Yes, but big picture, you got all the important stuff wrong. The big uh, picture. Sure. I just unless you have a perfect week, I'm going to. No, that's fair. I should business. have a per. I should have a perfect week by now, but I think that's more on the Raptors than it is on me. But maybe I need to adjust more to understand the team I cover more. Yeah, uh, you're relying too much on those those Bayesian priors. Uh, all right, couple notes before we get into uh, the Raptors' week. First of all, a couple injury updates for you. OG Ananobi still is not back uh, from that. Never left, coming back. Left calf strain. Um, it. They certainly sounded optimistic that he'd play Sunday. Uh, there wasn't any indication of, of just how close he is, but the fact that we thought he was going to play Sunday uh, and didn't suggests that you know maybe Tuesday's possible. Uh, Yuta Watanabe still out with a bad ankle sprain. Um, he has not practiced yet. Patrick McCaw is back in practice. And is, uh, you know, I think has moved from week to week to day to day at this point. Uh, so keep an eye out for all those updates. The Raptors could certainly use some uh, fresh bodies as they head into a week where they play the Bucks twice Oof. and then have a rematch with the Timberwolves. Uh, I mentioned earlier. Before we get to the meat of the podcast, uh, I just want to say that in the comments of my story yesterday, there was the first, can we get McCaw back, please? He would look great at all those Terrence Davis minutes. Yeah. Uh, so we're there, baby. I mean, we, look, the, the offense <laughs> is going to look a certain way if you have McCobb, Embry, and Stanley Johnson on the floor together. But those Fred Van Vliet led bench units, um, you know, aren't performing super well. Uh, but I, I also think OG helps with some of that because it changes your staggering pattern with Kyle and OG and, and then Fred. Oh, and oh, the guy who the guy who is playing the most consistently of any of the Raptors might yes. help. Yeah, yeah may, maybe the best wing defender in the league <laughs> would, would help things. Um, okay, so I mentioned earlier you can go to theathletic.com slash we the six if you don't subscribe to the written side. And, of course, Eric's piece on the Timberwolves. Eric's great uh, profile on Yuta Watanabe this week. Well-timed, by the way. Um, you know, all of those are great reasons to subscribe. It's also here five and a half weeks out from the March 25th trade deadline. It's rumor season, Eric. Oh, baby. And our own Sean Strania reported in his latest Inside Pass piece on Monday. I will read the quote here and uh, get ready, Eric, because you're going to have takes on this. The Raptors and Cavaliers are engaged in active talks on a deal that would send Andre Drummond to Toronto slash Tampa, sources tell The Athletic. Discussions between the two sides picked up in the last few days, and Drummond was pulled from the lineup in Sunday's game against the Clippers due to rest. Multiple sources told The Athletic Drummond was rested due to his attitude and play recently with Cleveland engaged on the trade market. Uh, I will add to that on my own that I have basically heard that Drummond's played his last game as a Cavalier as they uh, look to move him here. 
Eric, a lot to unpack there with the Raptors and Drummond. Um, I have a piece coming up on The Athletic that that is probably up by the time this podcast airs. Um, reacting to this from the Raptors' perspective, you know, how would Drummond fit? What are the cap machinations to, to make something like that possible? Uh, is Masai going to have to apologize for the you're better than Drummond open gym clip? Uh, lots to unpack with a, a potential Drummond acquisition. Uh, but Eric, your initial reaction to uh, this this report from Shams? Uh, well, the first thing I want to do is uh, maybe rumor explain uh, and, and just say active talks is not the same thing as, I don't know, what's a word that's more like serious or progressing, almost like like progressing, like if there was progressing toward a deal, that's when you like start really figuring things out. Serious talks probably a little more likely to happen. Active talks means they're talking, and, and if it's, you know, if it's being reported at this stage, you can assume that they aren't, that there's there's legitimacy to it, but I don't think it's on the verge of uh, happening right now, uh, this moment, which isn't to say it won't happen. Uh, now, of course, it will happen before this podcast is over, <laughs> um, given my ability to predict. But I, I think you would be, uh, before I let you dive into the cap stuff, um, I think he would be a very good addition for their problems. They are the 29th uh, defensive rebounding team in the league in terms of rebound defensive rebounding percentage. Uh, they faced, incidentally, the 30th team in Minnesota last night, uh, Sunday night, and they won the offensive rebounding battle 10 to 5. So got to stay uh, in that pen- penultimate spot. Way to go, guys. Um, but you know, he's obviously a bit of an overrated defender, but certainly worlds better, um, than what they're getting. We, we've seen Aaron Baines just unable to, uh, really do that Mark Gasol thing where he's, even though he's not fleet of foot, he, he's playing the angles so well that it's very hard for quicker guards to get around him, which even by the end of Gasol's tenure in Toronto, people were complaining about, um, and you know, he's limited offensively, but he is a good finisher at the rim and the Raptors other than Chris Boucher, who, you know, is, if there's any sort of body contact, he's not going to end up going, you know, totally vertically on, on a lob. Uh, they haven't really had that type of guy, uh, who can just a strong rim roller who can finish like that. So there, there will be spacing problems. Uh, but there already are spacing problems when Baines and Siakam uh, share the floor that we've discussed. Uh, I, I think it's a fit. Uh, obviously, I, I mean, to me, it would mean that Norman Powell's almost certainly headed the other way. He's been playing great, uh, and that worries me just because he's a dynamic uh, driver and, a, and certainly a pretty good finisher at the rim. Uh who on a team that doesn't have a lot of that, but you got to deal with the problems you have now. And, and since they're both likely to be free agents at the end of the year, uh, I get it. Uh, but I think there's a long way to go before we're actually talking about a deal. 
Yes, a long way to go for a number of reasons. The first of which is, uh, depending on who's going out in a deal, uh, a player like Chris Boucher still can't be dealt for a couple of weeks. Uh, Aaron Baines is, is past that date now, so he can be included. But uh, the cat math is going to be pretty complicated. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, I, I just want to expand on, on in terms of fit. Uh, I do think he's actually, you know, Drummond's the weird type where, like, he was very overrated defensively for a while because of the defensive rebounds and, you know, that him getting an all-defensive vote was kind of a joke. Uh, I think he's maybe gone the other direction now where the pushback was too strong. He just, he was very good in the in the Cavs' start this year with their drop coverage, and he's a good rim deterrent. Um, and then he has active hands in a way that, you know, if he's playing a, a more conservative drop coverage but can get his hands in lanes and swiping down in, in the post and stuff, I do think he fits a little of what Toronto wants to do there. Um, obviously, he's not as switchy as the Raptors w- would like, but neither is Aaron Baines. Um, <laughs> and then offensively, he's having like an uncharacteristically poor finishing season. But I think some of that is that like his usage rate is up to like 30% and, and there's just no justification for Andre Drummond using 30% of... Why is that? happening on a cleveland team that has like lots of exciting guards like i, I don't really yeah. know um but you haven't I, been watching a ton of Cavs. no basketball? i have it's just like <laughs> i i actually think the Cavs have been one of the more fun league pass teams this year it's just you know you don't really process in real time why shots are going a certain way and i certainly don't think the raptors would run as many uh, post-ups for drummond they'd probably kill the idea of him trying to create for himself in the mid-range um but drummond's not a bad passer he's a good rim runner um so you know obviously he addresses some needs now the issue of course beyond timing is that you have to make salaries work in trades in the nba and drummond makes 28.8 million that means that the Raptors would have to send out at least $22.93 million based on where they are in the, the cap and tax hierarchy right now. And Could they throw means- in my salary at the Athletic sure. to make it work? Yeah. Uh, so, so that's $3 million, so that's good. Yeah. Um, shut up. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you're looking at, you know, let's assume that Kyle, Fred, Pascal, and OG are off the table um, because you just you wouldn't be adding Drummond if you're subtracting one of those guys uh, from the core. Then you're looking at Norman Powell at $10.5 million is, is your largest salary, and then you add Baines, and then you add a Stanley Johnson, and you're still not there. And then you add a McCaw, and suddenly it's a four-for-one deal where most of your second unit depth is gone. Or if you want to keep Norm and sweeten the um, the draft considerations, uh, then you're looking at five guys. And th- that creates complications because, first of all, Cleveland has to cut guys before the trade to create room to acquire them. Um, and second... The Raptors then are not only taking on salary, which pushes them into the tax, um, which, you know, is possible, but in a expensive road year without playoff revenue and in a non-title contention year would be a bit strange. Uh, They'd also have to replace all of those players, which then drives your tax up even higher. Um, You do have to have uh, a certain number of of guys on your roster for a certain amount of time, and you can't just uh, fudge it with Utah and uh, Jalen Harris uh, active nights. So, um, and the 905 have not been uh, impressive enough yet to fill those gaps. Uh, Gary Payton Jr., come on up. But uh, otherwise, um, it's just hard to see how a four for one or five for one deal for a center who's an upgrade 
but not a contention level upgrade makes a lot of sense. And I don't mean that in like, you know, I'm not really worried about the long-term asset cost because you look at Stanley Johnson, Patrick McCaw, you know, Aaron Baines, like those guys probably aren't back next year. Um, and if they are, they're they're probably back on, on smaller or different deals um, after they've, they've been renounced anyway. It's more just like, what does this team look like on the fly if you dump four or five guys um, for Drummond and then, and then suddenly you're a deeper tax team um, and there's, you know, I, I still don't think Drummond puts uh, Toronto in the, the Philly, Milwaukee, Brooklyn class. I, I think it pushes them to the very top of tier two, um, but I don't know that it, uh, you know, stabilizes them for those top matchups. So um, I have uh, I have some not trepidations about Drummond as a fit on the Raptors, but I have some the the specifics of what a deal would look like. Give me some pause. Uh, Eric, math, I, math concerns. Yeah. Uh, Math concerns. I guess uh, my question then, Eric, that follows from this is, um, and obviously Shams, if Shams is reporting this stuff, it, it's it's legitimate. Shams does not yeah. miss very often. He, do, he does not report lies. These yes. are things that are happening. However, because the Raptors are not a leaky organization, we have certainly seen instances where their interest in players maybe gets exaggerated on the market because if you're the Cavs, you know that the Raptors aren't going to leak counter information. Uh, so I guess I, I'm wondering what you think about the idea of the Raptors are interested in Drummond, but maybe the Cavs are letting that be known as a matter of <laughs> leverage. I think that's plausible. <laughs> um, I again, like for the reasons we discussed, I think he'd be a, a nice fit. And if you like, if you could make the math work, which is very difficult, you look at doing it. Even if it costs you norm, you you look at doing it. And I'm, you know, I've had my concerns with norm, but he's certainly, you know, he's looked the best he's looked all year and sort of to the level that he was playing last year, more or less uh, recently. And that that guy is pretty important to what the Raptors do. But this, you know, the Raptors have operated in a way in which they can be used this way. And I'm not even sure if that's a bad thing, um, because in theory, that just would make other teams, potentially your competition, more likely to give up more for uh, for Drummond in this case. So is that really a bad scenario for the Raptors, like helping the Cavs win a deal versus, I don't know, the Boston Celtics, let's just say randomly? No, um, but that is definitely possible as as far as a thing is going on uh i'm really in, in these cases i'm not sure how much a strategy like that would actually work but you know we we both know that teams aren't above trying to use uh this type of stuff for leverage so uh i i think you know the truth is the the full truth isn't reportable <laughs> because one side is very likely not contributing to the reporting. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's, uh, you know, you can read Shams's inside pass for a little more on that. You could read my reaction to it for a bit more of the cap stuff uh, and just goofing around about Drummond because he has been like, I think Drummond unknowingly has a feud with 
um, <laughs> with Raptors fans uh, going back to the JV thing and, and like Pirtle dunking on him and James Johnson cocking that joint back. Um, so uh, let's let's look back at the week that was. Uh, the Raptors went two and two for the week and one and two since we last talked to you. Uh, the losses felt especially gutting, uh, being that they were against the Celtics. And yes, fifth game in seven nights, no OG, etc. But that felt like a winnable game. Uh, had Shemi and Peyton Pritchard not just gone bananas from three, from three, uh, and then they lose to a bad Minnesota team. Eric, uh, I was not on the post game presser past Nick Nurse last night, but Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet spoke pretty openly about um, the vibes once again not being great. Can you? Can you take us through uh, what Kyle and Fred had to say and your own read on where the Raptors are at right now, now back three games under 500? Well, I, I've got to correct you a little bit. And as you said, you weren't on the call, so that that's fine. But um, that this is I'm not I'm not like sarcastically criticizing you. But Kyle actually seemed pretty copacetic about the whole thing, and that's like the funniest thing about this whole season is Kyle seems more or less like he's in a pretty good mood and isn't panicking. Um, and he's, he just said, you know, we've got to use this opportunity to get better. I asked him, uh, point blank, if, if he, if I told him at the beginning of the season that the offense was way ahead of the defense and, and just as, a as pointing out the offense right now ranked eighth in the league, the defense 19th, uh, what would he think about like, like, what would he think? Would he be surprised? And he sort of said, no, like the offense is simple and the defense is not. And we've lost major pieces. Uh, I'm not sure if he was being entirely truthful in that moment, but uh, he did give me a thorough answer. So I, I guess I probably shouldn't doubt him. But when I asked Fred Van Vliet that same question, he said, well, I'd probably ask you what our record was. So that, that was... Uh, the sort of difference in tone. I think they both know that they've given too many winnable games away. And, you know, I, I again, it, it's tough to say they gave them away because they played poorly. Like the Raptors were the, you know, for most of the night, certainly in the third quarter, which was the most... Uh, in terms of one team playing better than the other, the most uneven quarter of basketball, they were the second best team on the floor last night. They did not deserve that game in the way we talk about teams deserving that game. Uh, but Van Vliet was definitely very somber, very frustrated, short on answers, as most guys are right after a dispiriting loss. Um, and, and I think, you know, they just can't understand. They, they don't understand why these you know, pretty horrible quarters against pretty punchless teams like Minnesota, uh, who, you know, they have Malik Beasley, who's fun. Anthony Edwards had a lot of really nice drives, uh, I thought, uh, against the Raptors. Carl Towns was good, but not like super dominant, but like especially in a matchup where he should have been super dominant. Well, when you um, don't guard his pick and pops at all, uh, he's gonna he's gonna hit some threes on you. So. Uh, yeah, that happened late in the game, and and we can talk a bit about Baines being on the floor in those minutes. I thought that was a bit curious, uh, but 
Yeah, Van Vliet was really down about it. You know, Lowry was more, we've got to learn, we've got to get better. It is, you know, it's a shorter season, but it's still a marathon and we have time to improve. But the reality is they have two back-to-backs sandwiched around uh, the hamburger that is another game against uh, Minnesota. I I guess that would be like one of those really crappy fast food hamburger places that has like the inch the one inch patties kind of uh anyway but uh, uh metaphor unnecessary but those are against milwaukee and philadelphia which what, you know, what kind of burgers are you eating that the patty is one inch thick and the buns are somehow still double the size on either end i'm not That's eating a those. five inch burger yeah okay listen i i'm not don't make me do the math um <sighs> The point is, they have back-to-backs in Milwaukee, at home against Philadelphia. Uh, Those are the best two teams in the Eastern Conference right now. They both are bigger teams that require more bulk. So if if you want to go back to the Drummond trade, it wouldn't be the worst time for that to go down. If it is going to go down... Uh, and they really could have used that game last night because now they're three games under 500, and uh, you can understand Van Vliet's mood, I guess is my larger point. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Uh, okay, Eric, so there's three games under 500. Uh, the mood is not great from Fred's perspective. Uh, they have five very difficult, you know, four of those games are, are quite difficult. Uh, the Bucks have lost three straight as they actually try to do new things and, and not be as predictable. Uh, but they're still the Bucks and, and pretty good. And, and Philly has been probably the best team in the Eastern Conference so far. Uh, I was going to save this for the end as kind of our closing wrap, but let's get to it now since you teed it up. Um, if the Raptors go one and four or two and three on this trip, uh, you know, we've kind of danced around this question a lot this year. And we, I think we both think that Kyle Lowry determines his own fate in, in terms of what he wants for the rest of the season. But um, with something like, uh, hey, the Raptors are interested in Drummond. If this continues going this way, where um, the the performance is underwhelming relative to what the perceived quality of the team is, I guess what I'm getting at is like the Raptors can still kind of rely on the fact that they're top 10 in net rating and they're top 12 in SRS and um, all of these things that are better predictors of future performance. But the future becomes a shorter window of time and the performance to date becomes a longer window of time as we go on. Uh, If they are 14 and 18 or 13 and 19 coming out of this five game set, um, 
where where are you at? Like like at what point do we start talking about Norman Powell destinations as a seller rather than what Norman Powell can get you in a buy scenario? Yeah, um, I think they have time to make those decisions. Uh, I don't mean to avoid. No, no, the I, question, I get what you're saying. We're five but, and a half weeks out. Yeah, like I think you don't even need to think about it until the break, really, because no team is really going to make its deal that is going to take itself on the off the table for Norman Powell at this point, I don't think. Like, Norman Powell can probably be had. Um, not, I mean, the Raptors would want something in return, certainly, but it's not an overly complicated deal to make. Uh, so I, I just don't think they have to make that decision that quickly the east is like a mess in in that there are a bunch of teams you know between three games under 500 or four games under 500 and and two games over 500 like it's not like the raptors (laughs) are out of a a, like even a top four seed at this point like that's still totally on the table even though the schedule is looking pretty rough right now um but you certainly turned that way. Like like every, I wrote it last night. You only have so, and I, I wrote it in specifically talking about Pascal Siakam, who went two for eleven in the restricted area last night. <laughs> um, uh, and, and like, yeah, not all those shots are created equally, but the process was basically right. That was my point, and. We've talked about this already this year. The longer you go where the process is uh, like, all right, but the results aren't coming, that starts mattering less. And a bad trip, uh, especially one in which you look clearly inferior to some of the best teams in the Eastern Conference, it has to color your perception a little bit. So I don't think it does anything. Let's say they go one and four. I don't think it sets in stone that this will be their approach going toward March 25th, but it really means you've got a, like, that's basically the end of your, okay, let's see what happens window. And you have like a turnaround has to happen pretty much immediately after that. We're getting to that point. We sure are. March was 5th. That, was that, was that a, did I hedge enough in that answer? You, you hedged fine. Thank you. Uh, yeah, um, I don't. Uh, I don't think you're, you know, wrong. I think March fifth is kind of the the target deadline, and because, I mean, I, I love trade season. I love doing my all your trade ideas are bad column and stuff like that. But I do sometimes feel like a killjoy being the person who has to be like, okay, we're five and a half weeks out. Like just because Harden got traded doesn't mean the the market is uh is firing and stuff. But anyway, um. We have some time, and the Raptors have some time to figure things out. Uh, you mentioned Pascal going 2 of 11 in the restricted area. The one other thing I wanted to talk about coming out of the Timberwolves game to get your feel on, uh, Pascal Siakam has turned his season around in the big picture. I thought he's been, you know, you take away those first eight or nine games. Uh, he's been more himself. His offensive process has been uh, a little sharper, you know, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line, using the defensive attention as a, as a playmaker. And um, we've even seen his defense come come back up after kind of a disappointing start on that end. However, 
he continues to struggle late in games. He's 3 of 16 with two turnovers in 40 clutch minutes as defined by NBA.com. Those are uh, game within five points in the final five minutes. Um, you could change your definition of what clutch is. Uh, I don't think it would change the conclusion here that he has really struggled in those scenarios. Eric, uh, early on, I would have said that Siakam struggles in those scenarios were as much psychological as anything. He, uh, you know, that's when he was going through it. The, the misses against Golden State and Portland, the body language was, you know, pretty terrible after those misses. And again, <laughs> to go back to the vibes, they weren't great. I thought on Sunday, at least, you know, he got to the front of the rim. You, you could certainly argue he should have tried to dunk that or, or finished a little stronger. Um, you could argue that, you know, I mean, maybe that that just wasn't the play and I saw against Jaden McDaniels, although McDaniels is a rookie. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I think the thing I took away from it was Siakam, like, not being able to believe that that rimmed out instead of um, being down on himself and upset was maybe a nice mental shift. Uh, but he's 3 of 16 with two turnovers in those 40 clutch minutes. Uh, is that kind of random or are we to the point where it's a, it's a little damning at this point? point you know where are you like do the i guess what i'm getting at is like what is your appetite for continuing to feed these to these opportunities to siakam versus exploring what other late game options might look like well i mean i think kyle lowry's got a, a nice little share of them maybe not at the like the last possession of the game but he's doing his share of the work in uh in crunch time, I think, uh, and those probably a little more often lead to passes versus shots, uh, which is a you know maybe an issue uh, in itself. I don't think you can fault what happened. Like that was a great look, and a, a few people did say, "Why isn't he dunking that?" Uh, to which I theoretically agree, but not having the ability to. Uh, power through even somebody as slender as Jalen McDaniels. Is it Jalen or Jaden? Jaden. Jaden McDaniels. Thank you. Um, like, I don't know what it, what it takes out to you to, like, go across the body of Jaden McDaniels. Like, like, can you just dunk after that? Is it possible? Like, it looks like he should be able to. Jaden McDaniels is really long. You're absorbing a lot of contact there from an NBA guy. So I, I don't know how possible that is. So anyway, that was a great look. Uh, the one against Portland was a pretty good look. Uh, the one against Golden State wasn't, but it, it was makeable. Uh, so I, I think, you know, again, it's sort of like my last answer uh, to is like my... My answer to your previous question, it's like, you're getting there. Like, it's no longer just random, but it's, uh, I still sort of believe he's capable of it. Like, he's, we've seen him turn his game around in a way that some of those very shots are falling more regularly. So why can't they fall in the final minutes? Like, I don't think there's some sort of magic about the last few minutes. Now, if he were just not seeing what was happening defensively, if he were shrinking from the moment and, you know, getting off the ball way too quickly or, or taking bad shots, that'd be one thing. But I like, 
He's gone, like, in the three situations I can think of, he's gone two really good shots, and, you know, I'm fine with it. Uh, My concern is pretty low, I I think. Okay, well, that's good. Um, You know, I still... So you sound sound a bit more skeptical. Not skeptical. I I think he is capable, like you said. Um, I would just maybe like to see a little more... Uh, variance in what those plays look like. Um, you know how I feel about road ISOs, and I know that it's you know low turnover and trusting your best guys and stuff like that, but um, especially with how effective the Raptors are sometimes on their sideline out of bounds in other situations, um, I don't know. I'd just maybe like to see uh, a little bit more. Now, of course, I don't really want the ball in Fred's hands dribbling the air out of it too much maybe um you know kyle is still the guy who on merit i would have the ball in his hands yeah but also he's about to turn 35 and, and maybe that's not the the smartest yeah and when you said like play. we've talked about this season being transitional in so many ways so yeah. like this is part of it <laughs> you know you, you've got to uh, wins and losses are still super super important but if you're trying to transition to whatever's next at least a little bit He's got to get the like Fred and Pascal have to be a big part of the way things are closing, and OG eventually. Yeah, yeah, and you know I think I think the interesting closing elements for the Raptors are what they look like defensively, right? Yeah. Because they're gonna, you know, they're gonna have OG out there. They're I would imagine they're gonna close smaller more often than not. Uh, you had some some issue with Baines playing. You know, Baines played twenty four minutes and was even plus minus. Uh, in in that game Sunday, but I also just think you know he hasn't been uh, super effective overall. Now the the this new quote unquote starting lineup does have a plus three point seven net rating, uh, but you combine that with the earlier uh, starting unit and they're basically a neutral. Which if you're a team as good as the Raptors, uh, you don't want your most heavily used lineup to only be neutral. Um, Baines, of course, with the uh, the worst net rating of anyone in the rotation as well at minus 4.2. Um, so what would you, would you have gone back to Boucher who wasn't having his best night? Would you have gone to that Bembry look where, where Siakam's the de facto center a little earlier? How would you have played that out, Eric? Yeah, I, it was tough with, with Boucher, uh, who I think I still would have liked to, I just think, Given what he's meant to this team, he needs more than 18 minutes a night. Generally, uh, I concede that he was having, you know, one of his worst games of the year, for sure. He had There was one possession in which he spun and dunk uh, that he just, that, that Chris Boucher, who was providing the help defense because he got screened off the ball, um, just went on the wrong side <laughs> like it, it was just awful and uh it left uh, a free spin and dunk for uh for i almost called him drummond for carl's carl towns uh around deandre bembry uh so I, I think i probably would have tried that i think a lot of like the the pick and pop threes you know he still probably gets those shots off if Boucher's on the floor but maybe they're a bit tougher maybe it changes what they were what they're doing and I think the Raptors were responding to the town's post-up situations pretty decently as a whole um now Minnesota hitting as many threes as they did was obviously a concern but you know that was their game plan and if they were going to get beat by that, then you get beat by that. And, and I think 
they, they certainly did to an extent. Ricky Rubio continues to be one of the <laughs> best three-point shooters in the league. If uh, the Raptors are, uh, if the Raptors are his opposition, uh, but uh, yeah, I think I would have gone to Boucher, and if that really wasn't working, maybe to Bembry. Uh, again, this isn't a huge thing for me. Uh, I don't want to say it's not why they lost because they lost the game by two points. So like any number of things were why they lost. Uh, But it wasn't, you know, I just want my best players playing uh, unless there's a huge, huge mismatch. And I don't think Towns was playing in a way in which that was going to be this thing that necessarily did them in uh, because they were done in anyway by, by a different thing. Anyway, uh, that's a rambly answer, but that, that was my only thought. Like this hasn't been uh, Baines hasn't been a guy who's closed down many ga- closed out many games. He's not playing well. He he limits what you can do offensively, and uh, yeah, I just wasn't a huge fan of that decision. Understandable. Uh, Baines has a. Uh... I don't know. It's a weird thing where, like, even now that he's played like somewhat neutral, uh, there's enough there's enough bad tape behind us uh, that he almost has to overperform. Like, like if you came into this season, we're like, yeah, Baines is going to be relatively neutral. He'll play low minutes, and then uh, you'll go to other lineups. I think you would have been fine with that. But the fact that he's you know working from a hole, uh, and the fact that anytime he plays with any lineup that isn't just the starters, it's a disaster. Uh, I don't know, and it wasn't you know. I think the the big thing was that that Van Vliet and bench unit, which I, I don't mean to put the blame on Van Vliet by describing it as that. It's just a descriptor. Uh, you know, they were on the wrong end of a seventeen-two run, and it's just it's not. He had a pretty. He unit. did have a pretty bad second. He did have a bad third quarter. That but, that stretch was like a bad decision making quarter. But it's also a look at who he's know, playing with though. It's like a tough Denver lineup. And Johnson yeah. are spacing, and Davis is making the decisions he's making. So you can't put the ball in his hands. And we know that Van Vliet's kind of most dynamic when he can work off the ball a little bit more. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Let's look ahead, Eric. We talked about uh, two at Milwaukee, one at Minnesota, and then back home. And, of course, home we're doing air quotes around for the rest of the season uh, for two against Philly. As of that first Philly game, it will be 12 games in 11 cities over one stretch, uh, just bouncing around. Uh, that's a lot. No no time in one place. No excuses, though, correct? Uh, so sure. we – as as Patrick Matumbo, head coach of Raptors 905, said about their first back-to-back the other night, um, things like that allow a cushion for failure. And I thought that term was uh, was really nice, him him trying to play down that cushion for failure, that schedule things uh, leave you with. Anyway, the it's a tough stretch. There's no question about it. We will talk to you next. Uh, assuming that that Drummond stuff doesn't actually happen, we'll probably talk to you next at, in between the Philly games. Um, so that's Eric, two at Milwaukee, one at Minnesota, and one against Philly. What do you got? Oh, um, I'll say loss, loss, win, win. Uh, okay. I don't know. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's my uh, that's my guess. I'll be wrong. Uh, and when I've been wrong this year, it's usually because the Raptors have underperformed those predictions so get ready for another panic podcast next week i guess all right uh speaking of other podcasts uh eric that was fun last week when uh we did a different podcast together that'll be out 
Uh, the week of that NBA break, so coming out of the... I can't remember if it's coming out of the All-Star week or heading into All-Star week, but people get a little extra dose of us. That was fun. Yeah. Um, and I, I've been revisiting the band we talked about uh, a lot since then, which has been a nice addition to my life. I hadn't yeah. listened to them in a while, and, and especially after... Um, <laughs> I, I, it's really hard to talk obliquely about it. Um, after a certain point, I became less into that band. Uh, so just like hear, hearing those singles uh, with fresh ears from the later albums, uh, it was nice. Uh, I, but yes, like the podcast itself was also fun. I, I dug maybe a bit deeper into the album than I had previously from a lyrical perspective. And uh, it was a cool experience. Cool. Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and sorry it took so long to have you on. Uh, well, be a house party. Yeah. All right, we'll, this we'll is, do it again sometime. Maybe, probably maybe. not. We'll see how that episode's received. You know, this is <laughs> Columbia House Party is a meritocracy. So uh, if you uh, if the Unlo- response, unlike Raptors clutch per- uh, touches, yes. is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes, or or yeah. Anyway, uh, let's avoid the, <laughs> where we were going off of that one. Um, this is the end of Raptors Reasonless for this week. Uh, once again, you can go to theathletic.com/slash/we-the-six for a discounted subscription, or click off any of mine and Eric's articles, including the uh, my drum and reaction piece, which I can confirm is up by the time you're listening to this because it went up while we were recording. Uh, Eric, thank you so much, man, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Blake. See ya! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.